The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. It's seven minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning in to AM Live this morning. Now, world-renowned economist and the author of Capital in the 21st Century, Thomas Piketty, says that the quality of public education, which is available to most disadvantaged in the country, is not satisfactory and that government should make it a priority. He was delivering the 13th annual Nelson Mandela Lecture at the University of Johannesburg Soweto campus. Piketty is popular for his views on inequality and maintains that government has no other option but to improve the public education system. Murafi Tabani attended the lecture and filed this report for us. Piketty delivered the 13th annual Nelson Mandela Lecture in a township which symbolizes inequality in South Africa, Soweto. The professor, who many regard as the modern Marx, says government has to ensure that the quality of education is improved. He says this disadvantages the poor and perpetuates inequality. Public education, I think it is fair to say that the the quality of public primary education and junior secondary education that is available to the most disadvantaged group uh, in this country is is not satisfactory and that uh, uh, this should be a national priority and a lot of progress could be made in this direction. So I think there's no other option than to try to improve the functioning and to contribute uh, to what has worked in history uh, in order to have sustainable and equitable growth uh, is, to, is to have a well-functioning uh, public education and health system and, and South Africa uh, should go in this, in this direction. He further says that despite the policy of equal rights in South Africa, Inequality after the coming of democracy is still rising. The the South African uh, uh, revolution, so to speak, uh, did not uh, deliver as much as one uh, might have expected. And and generally speaking, we cannot simply uh, rely on market forces and trickle-down mechanisms in order to deliver the right level of inequality. According to Piketty, wealth redistribution in South Africa can benefit from transparency on wealth ownership. I think uh, it will be uh, important uh, and absolutely uh, possible for South Africa to introduce uh, an annual uh, tax uh, uh, on net wealth. The big advantage of an annual tax on wealth is that it will produce democratic transparency about wealth and we would know more about who owns what in South Africa and how this is changing over time. It's very important in a country to be able to look year after year at how the different social groups and the different wealth groups are doing and how they are benefiting or not benefiting from growth and development. Meanwhile, Kosatus Neil Coleman says it will be beneficial for policymakers in South Africa to take Piketty's advice. He's such a, a major international figure, you know, in the, in the economics world uh, that we don't think that they can ignore what someone like he has to say. I mean, he uh, now is advising the new uh, Labour Party leadership in the UK. He advised the uh, President of France, although it seems like there was some parting of the ways there. And, you know, him together with uh, thinkers like Stiglitz and so on, these are real heavyweights in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the global sphere. And I think if anyone's going to say, look, we're just going to disregard what someone like Piketty has to say, it just shows, you know, the bankruptcy of thinking. You know, I think one of the very worrying things in South Africa is that the mainstream economic thinking still 
is actually way behind even that of the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, who are now beginning to recognize, for example, the IMF has come out with a study which shows that inequality is a huge barrier to economic development and growth. So this morning on the Forum at 8, we ask, can inequality be eradicated? Give us your views. 891 That's our call-in number. You can SMS us on the number 34701 or you can tweet to Facebook AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. And our guest this morning, Isabel Fry, who is the Director of uh, Studies in Poverty and Inequalities at, uh, at the Inequality of Poverty and Inequality Institute, I should say. Thanks yes. for coming through, Isabel. My pleasure. Good morning. How are you? I'm great, thanks. And Lumkile Mondi, um, he will make his way here shortly. He's somewhere in the building and uh, he'll be joining us momentarily. But listening to what um, Thomas Piketty had to say, and of course, um, that seemed to be the big one, the big event over the weekend. What did you make of that And in, in the context of inequality, especially in South Africa? I think the the issue around inequality is something which we really need to take a lot more seriously in South Africa than we do. Um, Until about two or three years ago, poverty was the issue that people were looking at, and all the policies were aimed at eradicating poverty. Um, Whereas in South Africa, what we've seen is that although destitution, absolute poverty, has declined over the years, we've actually seen an increase in income inequality, and one that seems to go unabated. The... to my mind, the issue around Thomas Piketty's lecture is that it actually focused national attention on inequality. Not only was there, were there a number of lectures in Johannesburg and, and Cape Town, but it was also streamed through the SABC. What we need to see is real political commitment from the top elites and decision makers to eradicate poverty. Um, and I, I hope that what Piketty was saying, specifically in terms of redistribution through his idea of a wealth tax, um, is something which actually harnesses political attention. Um, and with a, a forthcoming ANC, NGC, um, hopefully inequality will be put back on the agenda with a real commitment in terms of deliverable timeframes within this current administration's time um, to, to eradicate. Uh, I mean, one of, for me, one of the concerns is that if you look at the National Development Plan, although they have a startling ambition um, of eradicating poverty by 2030. In terms of inequality, the only um, ambition is to reduce it from 0.7 in terms of the Gini coefficient to 0.6, which is still a massive outlier in terms of international levels of inequality. So it shows, I mean, to, m- to my mind, what that suggests is that decision makers and those in power um, either have little will or little knowledge about how to affect a change in inequality and to I think for a country like South Africa, that's disastrous. So just to take a few steep, uh, steps back, uh, Lumkile Mwande, thanks for joining us. Some people would probably even ask, you know, does it matter that some people are richer than others? Isn't that just the way the world works, the way the world operates? And why are we splitting hairs over some people be, being more equal than others at this point? The world doesn't work that way. Uh, I think what uh, humankind has been focused on is a better life for all all citizens so in the case of south africa as it is in the case of the us the inequality is extremely unacceptable we cannot have people who in our society that you are if you are rich you live in um go to bed without <laughs> a meal 
they take turns to eat. So, I mean, we know in South Africa that in areas like KZN and the Eastern Cape, particularly the former Transkei, there are families that take turns just to get going. So, if I'm wealthy and I live in a society like that one, it's extremely unacceptable. Here, we're talking also in the South African case about how that wealth was accumulated. We know that in South Africa, and the wealth was firstly accumulated through conquest, that is us being dominated. Secondly, through racial oppression, where the state and the white people uh, purposefully went out uh, to undermine and exploit black people. So in that case, there has to be, I think, all sovereign citizens have a responsibility in ensuring that we correct that. How to correct that economically mm-hmm. is by first focusing specifically around uh, not so much around uh, wages. Wages uh, w- can go to some extent and employment can go to some extent just in ensuring that people have got income. Um, secondly, the issue of ensuring that we've got uh, a basic income ground for all South Africans. And thirdly, understanding who has got assets because where the issue is, is that um, wealth which was unaccumulated by violence and by force, by whites. We want to know what property, where is that property? This is where we want to tax. This want to ensure where there's land redistribution should be focusing on. Not so much on the small pieces of land which uh, a lot of our makers are occupied with. We want to know who has the huge amounts of land so that that land can be seized by the state and be distributed. Only then can we talk about a better society, society that can deliver to all? At this point, uh, Isabel was saying, the fact that, I would argue, Isabel, that there is a lot of ignorance within our movement, and with that lack of ignorance, us, you, me, and many other researchers, we need to ensure that we empower the decision makers so that they've got information. Then we can argue that there's no will. They're not willing to do what, because without the information, without knowledge and the understanding, they won't understand how to resolve the problem of inequality, which undermines our progress because in unequal society, you cannot move forward. A lot of the people that are at the bottom of the pyramid will never move forward because they are so marginalized. No, no, no. Let's just harp on that for a moment because uh, when you say that it is extremely unacceptable, if that is the case, then why then do we see the gap growing even further? Because coming back to the issue of no will to actually address this particular issue, uh, that that 1% where the majority of the wealth seems to be invested in, who is that 1%? Where is the wealth of South Africa concentrated at this point in time? Well, a lot of the wealth is, uh, some of it is in Switzerland. I think one of the areas that we need to engage extensively with Minister Nene is to ensure that where are these offshore accounts? Who are the holders of these offshore accounts? We know that a lot in, in the, since 1994, there's been some groundswell of black also, of blacks who've accumulated some wealth, uh, either through PE as well as other redistributive forms that our government has introduced. So, and some of our wealth rests in offshore accounts, which we are not able to touch our hands. So, we need some research working with Monday Finance and the South African Revenue Service to understand that. But that's a minuscule of where the wealth is. I think quite a lot of wealth is still embedded here. 
uh, particularly in assets and property. I know people that have got property in Johannesburg, in KZN, uh, in the Eastern Cape, uh, in Cape Town, um, and in addition to that, vast tracts of, of farms. So that has to be taxed because through those proceeds, we can then re- uh, do some redress. However, without knowledge, that's why the research and how we collect data as Stats SA and SARS, um, then analyzing that data could, I think, enable us then to push for how to tax intergenerational income, how to tax inheritance in, uh, effectively, and more importantly, the historical wealth that's embedded in various assets, whether it's in Switzerland, in the Bahamas, in the Isle of Man, in Mauritius, and in other properties that these elites are holding. How likely is that to happen, Isabel? Um, it depends, really, again, going back to political will. Uh, but, I mean, what Lumkiri was saying is, is really important, and that's um, looking back at some of the policy choices that were made. And you asked, how did, how did we allow inequality to keep on happening? Um, I think we need to have a long-term view in policymaking. I think a lot of the policies that we adopted were very short-term. One of the critical ones was to allow companies to list offshore, yes. um, as Lumkile was saying. So Old Mutual, Sunlam, um, as soon as they at, at the same time, what we did in terms of our income tax um, laws was to change from source-based to residence-based. So even if mining and extractive industry happens here, if the company is a resident overseas, such as the London Stock Exchange, taxation happens there. So we basically just kind of divested ourselves of vast amounts of proceeds from activities that happen within our country, depleting our own resources. Um, As Piketty was saying on Saturday, I mean, between 30 and 50% of wealth in Africa is held offshore. So again a very clear way of saying we're not going to benefit from, from the income of that. Um, I mean, if you look at the, the recent study by the World Bank that people frequently cite in terms of income tax, um, South African income tax was cited as being uh, progressive. But that's, we mustn't mistake the interpretation of the term progressive. It's not a normative statement saying that it's good positive. It's basically saying that the rich are taxed at a higher rate mm-hmm. than the poor, that it, it, it's not a flat rate. Um, and that's just a description of the type of system. So the question is, I mean, what would policies be effectively doing in terms of redistribution? I was very happy that Lumkile was talking about a basic income grant. It's something I've been citing for about the last 10 years. In fact, I'm known as Miss Basic Income Grant um, <laughs> because we have no social security for working age people. So um, even if uh, you are unemployed, and you have no hope of being employed. You have no hope of any access to any income until you reach pensionable age of 60. Um, so we, we need to have that just... But that's not about, that's not about addressing inequality. No. That's about addressing basic destitution. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, one of Piketty's ideas was, was to have a wealth tax. I mean, we have an inheritance tax, but it's a flat rate tax. I think it's still 25%, mm-hmm. um, which is very negligible in terms of the vast amounts of accumulated wealth. And again, as Lumkilia was saying, I mean, we still need to acknowledge that the, within the sort of top 10%, the returns to accumulated wealth still rest primarily in the hands of whites. Um, but it's, it's also hidden in trusts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very difficult to come to grips with. So uh, in terms of understanding who owns what um, is important. And basically, in terms of, of, of poverty, too often people only concentrate on researching the poor. We also need to start researching the rich rich, in order to understand how to start redistributing it.
And one of our listeners says we should stop talking about the poor as if they don't have a voice and cannot speak for themselves. So do let us know, you know, what are your views on this matter? 891 is the call-in number and we'll get to those calls after this. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. So we're talking inequality this morning, asking, can inequality be eradicated? If so, how? Do tell us what your views are. Let's go to the lines quickly. Uh, Temba in Port Elizabeth, good morning. Sakina, good morning. I, I'll be quick, Sakina. I listened with keen interest to Professor Piketty, and it was my submission, and still is, there is nothing new that he has offered. It's something that we in this forum have discussed in many papers that have been written, in South Africa, it's been agitated by unions and by all interest groups. But what is to be done now? Mm-hmm. This is the right time for president of this country to establish a commission. A commission that will look right into free education up to the university level. What are those processes that we need to embark on as a country? And where are we going to get money to do that? There is money, Sakina, there's no doubt about that. But free education first. Second one, Sakina, is the nationalization of mineral wealth of the country, that is the process that needs to follow in order for us to arrive at the final implementation of nationalization in a shorter period of time. Number three, Sakina, uh, is the wealth tax. Bishop Tutu has hinted about this in the recent past, and that is a serious issue that has to be implemented. Uh, The third one, Sakina, is to give black people an opportunity for employment and growth in private companies. These private companies, the multilateral companies that are here, the pharmaceutical industry that is here, is still entrenched in giving opportunity to previously advantaged people. Black people are just a token, but now we need a commission. But this commission, commission, it has to be a matter of 12 months or 18 months, max. Results must be out, then the country must implement the police. Okay, thank you so much, Timber and Port Elizabeth. Yaj in Cape Town. Good morning, Sakina. Um, I like to agree with uh, both your guests, uh, particularly about the, the basic income, which is a very, very important uh, measure to take in, a, in immediately to address destitution. But more than that, we need to uh, have a fundamental tax reform and phase out uh, income tax and VAT and replacing them with a land tax based on the site value of land and that levy on all financial transactions, that is a financial transactions tax. And furthermore, we need to go for a public banking system, and we need a monetary reform where we nationalize money creation, you know, where the we can, ESCOM can go to the Reserve Bank and borrow money debt-free created for infrastructure investment rather than going to the bond market and borrowing at interest and further indebting the, the, the the country. These are very important uh, issues to deal with, but the uh, public banking system, we can even issue a basic income in the form of local currencies, like they do in the UK and in the Bristol pound in Bristol, and there are lots of creative ways we can address this issue, but inequality is a major impediment to growth. It, it, it impedes social, upward social mobility, and it, it has to be addressed urgently. Thank you so much. Yaj, uh, Vim in Durban. Good morning. Or is it Wynn? Yes, Kenneth it is. Yeah. Good morning to you and your guests. I'm very concerned when your guest there, and it was a lady in question, turns around and says that if a company is registered in London or overseas, they pay tax there. 
which is totally incorrect. A company registered in South Africa will pay tax in South Africa first, and the company overseas will benefit from dividends. If the company overseas if it has lent money to the local thing, they will pay interest. The company here will pay interest. But I think it's very important for your guests to be accurate because you wonder... I agree that we've got huge amounts of inequality. I'm not, just, I'm not d- disputing that. A lot of it's self-inflicted by people who have far too many children. But the point is that your, your panel, it really uh, upsets me when people come out with statements that are factually incorrect. Thank you. Thank you, Wynne in Durban. And I didn't think they would come up this morning, but they are coming up. People having too many children. Uh, this one from Keith Ball says, perhaps the rich got rich because they worked hard and provided jobs for the poor. So as I said, I didn't think they would, but they are coming up. So uh, we need to address those as well. But um, I'm not going to get you to respond now because we're fast coming up to news time. So let me rather run through a few messages. Victor Quenda says, uh, inequality can be eradicated if only the rich Uh, cannot be given first preference. In most cases, there should be fair treatment. Nomsa Matangu says inequality um, will not be eradicated in our lifetime. The reaction of the wealthy to Thomas Piketty's suggestion on wealth tax, um, if that's anything to go by. Tabza says, in South Africa, you talk inequality and its devastation to the poor. Uh, One hears it's complicated from the South African bourgeois. And then um, Smart Money says, some people that speak of inequality situations are themselves compromised. Let the affected masses speak for themselves. General, uh, General Chinemo says, I think South Africa it is possible to talk about inequality without mentioning or rather it is not possible to talk about inequality without mentioning the word corruption in South Africa. So we'll come back to all of this, get some responses and continue to take more of your calls. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we ask, can inequality be eradicated? And um, the lines are still open, but our guest this morning, uh, Isabel Fry, as well as Lumkile Mondi, and we're taking your views as well. But I promise to give the panel an opportunity to respond to the issues that were raised before the break. Let me start with you, Isabel. Uh, Temba um, and Yaj, you know, all the points that were made there before the break. Vin as well. Thank you very much, Sakina. Um, I, I think Temba and Yaj's comments were very interesting. Uh, the, the question about reforming tax uh, and imposing a land tax is something which has been considered, and I think that the Davis Tax Commission is looking at a number of innovative ways of raising resources. Um, just in terms of what Wim was saying, I think he, he completely misunderstood what I was talking about. I was talking about um, the ways in which subsidiary companies transfer profits through transfer pricing, which has been um, a topic of, of, of um, investigation um, and which the state has raised with, um, with concern about how profits get taken out of this country. But just in terms of how successful policies can be adopted, uh, if we look at the um, illustration of Brazil, Uh, About 15 years ago, we were on a similar rating in terms of income inequality with Brazil. Um, And when President Lula da Silva came in with the Workers' Party, the PT, he introduced a triple reform which really addressed and and, and, uh, destroyed a lot of the inequality, raising raising levels of equality. Um, And that was a combination of a national minimum wage, 
which progressively increased at a higher rate than consumer uh, than than um, CPI inflation. Um, also, in terms of the introduction of a bolsa familia, which is very similar to the idea of a basic income grant, and a reform of collective uh, bargaining processes and systems. And basically, through that triple approach. Um, inequality has dropped remarkably, leading to greater form of social cohesion and also to greater economic returns. Because as Lungle um, was saying earlier, I mean, basically inequality acts as um, acts to, to dampen economic um, okay. economic growth. Mm-hmm. And so, if, if in South Africa we're struggling, at growth is probably about 1.3 now percent of GDP. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, our national development plan is, is harnessed on a much higher growth trajectory. We don't seem to have a plan B. Um, so we, we need to be addressing, looking at ways of unlocking potential in South Africa so that we can have higher forms of growth, looking at how we deal with the distribution of resources, such as the kind of extractives, but also looking at innovative policies that really address both within the short term but also within the longer term. And then then in response to that, um, Lumkire, if you could also perhaps just touch on the issue of education Mm -hmm. that Temba touched on, that Piketty touched on, that everybody keeps telling us, you know, this is the silver bullet. You get education right, and that should take care of a whole lot of, you know, some of the problems that we are seeing in society. You know, the education issue we know very, very well. Um, I think uh, we don't seem to, we're struggling to get it right. Um, Why? I think, I mean, there's a lot of issues, you know. Um, I've been involved uh, with uh, some NGOs um, around just basic issues in, the, in, the, in schools. Um, um, the Equality Education, EE, where the focus is in, on, on, on equality. Uh, the activists are equalizers. Uh, and trying just to get basic things for girls, such as uh, um, central pads, making sure that the schools, that toilets, uh, you know, those things matter for for these young younger kids. Um, I haven't even talked about the college of education. Mm. So there's so much that needs to be done. And I'm very pleased, I think, in Houting, uh, to an extent, uh, 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 Mr. Lesufi seems to be getting it right. However, I think he needs more support and encouragement for us in Gauteng uh, to ensure that he continues to, uh, with the energy that he has to address that, because we have to start at primary level. Um, kids that grasp it at that early stage, it's very easy for them to continue all the way. But if they were weak, then they fall off, as we've seen statistically, that a lot of these kids don't, can, don't get to metric at all because they just fall away. So that we have to fix that. Uh, once you can fix that, then it's easy for us at tertiary level because uh, what we get at tertiary level is students' battle. Those that, you know, come from um, uh, communities where the basics are not correct, uh, they come to us at tertiary. They just cannot. You know, we ask them to write um, a critique of Piketty's inequality thesis. Um, they just battle because, you know, they're not prepared well earlier on. So... Let's, feel, let's focus on addressing earlier and then moving on. The issue that Temba raised around nationalization of mineral wealth mm. um, is an issue that I thought South Africans uh, will now accept that, you know, why would a state be so um, seduced uh, by minerals when we know that the cycle is gone? Uh, the, 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 the super cycle that we saw uh, between 2001 and 2008 where there was an opportunity to do something 
that's never going to come back. So I thought people will think much more innovatively around how do we grow our economy? Because I think for, to just focus on minerals uh, who are now a very small component uh, of our GDP, although they earn us a lot of foreign revenue uh, for our balance of payments. However, in the bigger scheme of our economy, the, the mining sector is just uh, is very, very small. So I'm, I'm still, I was surprised that Chamber still raised that issue um, as a bigger issue. The biggest issue for me um, is really around how do we um, get around the issue of uh, penetrating the trust. Because even with uh, Professor Davis' uh, tax uh, law reforms that he's engaged with, as long as we cannot get to know well, who's got what, because everything is hidden. So, you know, we're going to be taxing this. These guys will pay any check, but we know they are hidden elsewhere. So we need to pierce the veil. We need to find a way of piercing the veil. Once you pierce the veil, then knowing what is embedded and therefore devise strategies because I think we mustn't be so ideological without evidence-based research. We need to penetrate, get information, and then we can understand what instrument to utilize. Because just having instrument without the knowledge, those instruments are going to be planned. And tomorrow we'll say we've done this, done that. We'll look forward, said, what has happened to inequality? In 2016, we introduced this uh, land tax. It's now 2030. What has mm-hmm. inequality from that no, nothing has happened because the evidence was not there. So we need to push harder on really breaking down the veil, pushing our lawmakers to open up uh, so that we know who's got what, how, and then, and then based on that, what to do. Transparency for a better diagnostic. I Very agree. much. Absolutely, as Piketty was saying, as Temba said, however, Piketty did not say anything that we haven't heard before. He did not say anything that people have not been uh, wrestling with prior to his uh, lecture. So, again, why are we not moving forward? Why are we not making meaningful inroads? Piketty said something new. Uh, Piketty is French. Piketty says to us that one of the biggest events in Europe of ensuring equality was World War II. World War II treats destruction of, uh, of infrastructure and property. And the fact that the state and community and society had to rally together to get everyone out. <coughs> they were able to introduce reforms and being sensitive to the fact that we need a society that cares a society that invests on its people and its infrastructure, and a society that is equal. So what is telling us that in Europe, the levels of inequality are not as embarrassing or as shocking as they are in the United States of America and South Africa. In fact, South Africa being a complete outlier because we're a developing world. So that for me is new. Uh, It is new in the sense that those that were watching what happened in Europe uh, they could be tempted here because the war is the easiest route of equality. But we're not going to get there in South Africa. What we're asking is let's do events-based, uh, evidence-based research. Let everyone come forward, those that have got resources, because the pathologies of inequality are experienced by all of us. And we cannot have a society with such pathologies where I'm sitting, I'm so rich, 
I'm supposed to play a part in society and I'm lying low, making sure that I've got all the technology. I live in a bunker. Um, I've walled all the, uh, myself in mm. that uh, and I'm able to continue. That can be acceptable. Here's so, a quick question from MJ um, Isabel. Uh, MJ says, wealth tax alone is not enough. We should deal with justice of how the wealth disparities came about to begin with. It's an interesting point. Um, I'm, I'm not sure where it leads to. I mean, in terms of the accumulation, as many people have pointed out over the years, um, a lot of the accumulation was at the cost of oppression of the majority of, of South Africans. So in terms of um, underpayment, but also the, uh, the deliberate laws that prevented the majority of South Africans from accumulating, um, from running businesses, um, the, the forced removals of people from the land, which was just so important for their livelihoods. Um, so, so looking at kind of redistribution um, in terms of a wealth tax, but also looking at reparations from violent, uh, from, from, from violent um, removal from, of people from their accumulated um, assets in the past. Um, but what I want to do, to, I just want to follow on from what Lomkile was saying. Many people in South Africa have talked about the growing pressure. Um, I mean, Vabi talked about the Ring of Fire, which might lead to a, a sort of concerted uprising. Yes. We see a huge number of, of so-called service delivery protests, which in effect are not about service delivery sure. uh, in, in their entirety. It's also about people saying, we don't see any change, any, any hope for the future. Um, the point that there haven't yet been... Um, organized into a, a national protest is probably the one thing that's bought us extra time. Um, but as Piketty was saying, violent shocks in the past in, in Europe and other places have led to progressive changes. Very much. Um, he also seemed to suggest that, that possibly what he called the South African Revolution had not necessarily led to the level of progressive reforms that were necessary. Um, I mean, for a true revolution, basically changing the, the sort of structural roots um, of the past. And that's something which w- we really need to apply our minds to as mm-hmm. South Africans. I mean, mm-hmm. Kilo was talking about research, and, and that's important. But it's also about having proper political will to say, uh, we, we don't want this country to get to another civil war. Yes. We've had enough fighting in this country. We need to be rebuilding. But rebuilding also comes down to restructuring the, the, the kind of systems um, of accumulation. Education is important, but it's also about having the kind of mindset that says this is a country for all. Yes. Our constitution guarantees equality. Most of us who are late 30s and older remember what apartheid was. Yes. Remember the deprivations. Um, and yet we seem to have lost that ability to think um, in, in terms of really progressive reforms. We, mm-hmm. we, we don't have a country anymore that had the, the kind of the, the, the yearning to have a better life for all. Um, and that's really what we need to go back to. We need to go back and say they are new and innovative ways of approaching issues. Uh, let's not be bound by um, conventional economics. Let's actually see ways of... of dealing with our current issues um, in a really exciting and vibrant way, which is inclusive. Well, I just want to go to the calls because otherwise we're never going to get to them. We're asking, can inequality be eradicated? We've heard of um, reforms to our education policy, tax reforms. What are some of the other ideas that you think should be brought um, on board? Anonymous in Vereniging, good morning. Hello, good morning. Welcome. Uh, How are you? Good, thanks. 
Okay, I just want to start. I mean, I mean, I was listening the whole conversation of Tomati Peter. So if I compare it, we used to have, I mean, the, uh, the I mean, Professor, I mean, Habib. But because he's a local guy and he was saying something similar to that, was not being understood. So for me, let me start with the beginning. If you can compare the current Texas fashion system and the apartheid regime Texas fashion. When I got married, I ran quickly to go and register because there was a system M0, M1, M2, up to M5 which was prioritizing on education. If you got a child, you get a rebate. Second child, a rebate. Third child, a rebate. Then you'll get more money to put into the education of your children. So in that way, now, the tax was even better. And now, the way it has been done, when you can find they, all the advisors are in millionaires. For instance, I don't know if I have to mention names. Find one of the millionaires in South Africa for instance, Patrice Mosefe, you find how much is he paying his, I mean, I mean, people, but he is giving money to the charity organizations just for publicity. And if you can compare him, compare him to Mark Shuttleworth. Mark Shuttleworth was able to give millions even to the cleaner. And let's go to the University of Rhodes, Senate and Bosch and Fortier. Most of the African leaders who are even the dictators of Africa, they went to the fort here, including the Mugabe. Their education was so nice. But now we do have now at the University of Stellenbosch and other ones, shareholders are advisors. These advisors, they are manipulating the whole system. The poor becomes more poor and the rich become more rich because now they would don't. Their children, they don't go to a public school. Their children go to the best schools. Right, uh, we lost Anonymous there, but I think we got the gist of uh, the point he was making. Fumani in Soweto, good morning. Morning to you, madam. Welcome. Uh, my issue is the stock exchange, as reflected, reflecting uh, two economies, formal and informal. The poor people, the oppressed people, before 1998, were virtually close to that system, that persists. I've been following this since Margaret Thatcher privatized uh, public companies in 1984 with British Telecom, wondering if we do get free, then we thought maybe it will be in 2050, but we hoped it was immediate. The stock exchange in Johannesburg was number 16th in market value. Having followed that, we now realize that the poor are actually subsidizing that. Uh, Stockfells and burial society have been key in the poor people themselves uh, addressing their poverty by mutual savings, avoiding punitive interest rates that characterize our right in capitalist economy. Buying a house through a bond, you pay at least three times in 20 years. So the poor people, the stock exchange, receives 44 billion rand from rural areas and townships through African stock firms. But a young or other business person in those areas seeking money for their businesses 
will be told about business plans and so on. You have no assets. Forty-four right. billion rand is too much money from the poor transferred to the rich who benefit from the stock exchange system. Thank you so much for money in Soweto. Mawawa in Cape Town. Good morning. In, 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 in response to your question, I think one of the things we need to do is to understand the responsibility of everyone in the society that we are in, that all of us have a responsibility to address inequality. We all have people that depend on us one way or the other, particularly people that do domestic work. How we remunerate those people will, will determine their access to, 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 to financial freedom, their access to education and to good food. But the second thing we need to do, we need to look at the relationship between social scientists and, and, and research and a, a, a government in this case to say, how does government take results of the research that is done by universities and institutions like Human Science Research Council to implement them in addressing the problems that we have in our society? I am not convinced that that is the case because that research would be done and it would not be prioritized where it should be at the implementation and planning level. What you would rather have is consultants duplicating what the HSRC is doing. So one, that, that's one of the things you need to do. But the first thing that we need to do is to review pro- development programs. Government on one hand is investing billions on bursaries for, for kids coming from poor families, on food security programs. Why are those not getting us to where we want to get into? Because from 2009 to, to, to this year, there are a lot of kids that have graduated with good degrees. But where are those kids? Is South African economy employing those kids to be professionals? And are they investing back into their community? The last thing that we need to do is to say, if we've got food security programs, let's empower our people, let's give them control to means of food production so that they don't depend on buying food from from price shops and all those things. At the end of the day, we can have all these lectures. Remember when when Muhammad Yunus came here to deliver the Mandela lecture, he Mm. left us a challenge that by 2020, we need to ensure that we eradicate poverty in South Africa. How far are we with that? It's not going to take government only. It's going to take people that employ domestic workers, people that uh, 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 hire people, businesses, small businesses, people that have got big companies to employ young people in South Africa until we address those issues, until we, 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 we realize that this is not a government-only problem. We are not going to address these problems. Thank you so much, Mawawa. But you see, we keep moving the goalposts. As I said, I, I'm very skeptical of um, some vision statements that uh, talk about things that are to happen 50 years later, goals to be achieved in 50 years' time, because the people who are writing these will not be there. How do we hold people accountable? I would like to see more of the short-term plans that are clearly spelled out by our leaders in terms of what they are going to achieve in their term of office. But I want to read some of the messages and get our panel to respond. Um, Max Naidu asks, if the state took away all the wealth of rich people, would that solve the problem of inequality? Lumgile. Uh, Firstly, it depends on what the wealth will be used for. In this case, what we want is not to take away everything that the the rich and the elite has got. Um, We want to take quite a lot from them, which will then reinvest it 
in addressing our social problems uh, that you've mentioned across many areas, from basic access to education to housing, etc., infrastructure. So the idea is is not to undermine entrepreneurs and wealth creation. I think here we're not talking about a state without incentive. We're talking about society that's incentive-based, but a society that cares and ensure that you can, you take, but also you think about others. So, you know, I think that point should be put out there very, very clearly uh, so that you don't get confused. At the same time, uh, Sakina, the point you're making about short-term goals, this is what the ANC has been doing very, very well. However, that short-term uh, goals don't lead us necessarily to redress the longer uh, past problems that we've experienced. That's why we like some, I mean, I like long-term plans. What we miss in our society is accountability. So we need to ensure that those short terms that you advocate are married to a longer-term plan so that in that short term, we're measuring him in relative to long-term plan. Mm -hmm. At the moment, with the ANC, every new government ANC deviates from what was being done by accountability. So until there's accountability, we're not going to go very far. Uh, Faction leader says, uh, this is Akile Nguenya, says, why don't we have a system where domestic workers are paid a percentage of their employer's earnings? That will be a game changer. I think that's a, a very interesting solution. Um, currently at NEDLAC, we are negotiating a national minimum wage and the question of domestic workers comes in. The, the level of payment of domestic workers um, is astounding. And if you look at the sectoral determination for domestic workers in rural areas, for full-time em- paid employment for on a monthly basis, the sectoral determination is 1,900 rand. How, that, how a single mother is meant to be able to survive and raise her children on that begs uh, belief. But I think we must also, as we begin to conclude, remember that the ruling party itself had a massive shift in its approach to uh, accumulation. If you look at gear, prior to gear, we had the uh, concept of growth through redistribution. In other words, you redistribute uh, accumulated assets in order to stimulate growth. And then in 1996, when gear came in, the idea was redistribution through growth. So in other words, you don't address the questions of accumulation. You just hope that additional growth, uh, the proceeds of additional growth would be distributed. Um, I think that was a a fatal and flawed decision. And it's one that actually was allowed to get by because that was really what was happening in the world, was this idea that you don't um, use the state to distribute resources, but that the market would allocate and that everyone would benefit from a trickle-down effect. That's been disproved country after country after country. Policymakers in South Africa need to have the um, ability to have robust engagement in terms of capital without being without having the fear that capital will flee because basically capital resides in the wealth of this country um, and the proceeds of the wealth of this country need to be fairly distributed to all. Well, I think I would be very popular if I said we needed to have a part two of this because the messages that are coming through, the people who still want to talk about this, we haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg. So clearly it is a very important issue and it is one that we will come back to. Our guest this morning, Isabel Fry, uh, Lumkile Mondi, uh, maybe we'll do a part two, a take two of this particular matter. We'll be in touch. But thanks as always for your fantastic participation and to the production team for making sure it went out loud and clear.